You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. I interviewed Ken and Lena Chow today. I asked them a series of questions about their faith, their life as disciples, and their experience on the West Side. I was born here in Los Angeles and grew up here, graduated UCLA, married. Um, I'd say one special memory is when the LA church started. I wasn't here at the very beginning, but we came in 1989. And it was amazing to see um, the faith, the hope during that time, and how much it grew. And within a couple of years, I heard of classmates that I went to school with who were baptized. And um, that was a great, great time during that time. And I think also our first time arriving here on the west side, our first devotional was was very memorable uh, to us. That was after you guys went through a process, a very elaborate process. We felt called to to be here. And so for us to meet with the church for the first time um, was very exciting. Just yeah. a great memory. I, well, this is the longest that we've been anywhere. Twelve years in LA, and uh, so this is home in, in many ways. And to see Elizabeth and Nicole get baptized here in LA as well has been uh, such a, an incredible experience. But the West Side has been just uh, such a great honor for us to be here, and uh, we love uh, the West Side. And just being here has been uh, a joy. I know it's been tough, and we're not saying this has been easy, but it's it's been such a joy. So it's very bittersweet for us as we think about going to Sacramento. Lena came down to help the LA Church, uh, and then I came down to be part of the Vietnam Mission Team. So it was very obvious where I was born. Uh, you know, during that time, it was the uh, Tiananmen Square, you know, stuff that, that was going on. And there was revolution in the air, if you will, and Russia was going through, Soviet Union. and So there was a feeling of, hey, the kingdom is in the forefront of revolution, you know? Uh, in a great way and then uh, coming down here and then uh, just to see God lead us in all these different steps and like Lena says West Side was definitely a calling I mean just all the things that we've learned uh, throughout uh, our our time in Asia in Orange County and Las Vegas is, is, you know we just felt really called to be here and uh, I know that um, you know the West Side gone through its convulsions but we felt what a great ministry you know that all these people they, they have to fight for their faith. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say something similar that um, some of our most challenging times that we went through on the mission fields, I think it prepared us for, you know, when we went through challenging times here as well. And even as we go to Sacramento, um, a lot of the things that they need, um, we've had experience in and we're able to connect with the church up there. So I feel like God, He doesn't waste anything um, if we can learn from them. So. And Lena and I are pretty comfortable with chaos, you know, just stuff going on all over the place. So we don't mind that, you know. I, I got to tell a funny story. Uh, I think we were in Manila one time, and we went into the Manila uh, ministry, and somebody put a sign, and they spelled our names wrong. And instead of C-H-A-U, <laughs> they spelled C-H-A-O-S. 
welcome to the chaos family. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's kind of like who we are. We feel like chaos. Uh, what about some of the lessons you've learned in the last five years? Um, are there some things that you can say that you really uh, learned in your time here? Yeah. You know, you have to fight for your faith. And the church is not perfect and that people, we, we try to create, um, you know, a church that is the best that we can, right? So when we look at Acts 2, we try to imitate that. And we're like, wow, that's it. But we, we, we don't, you know, remember that Acts 5, actually all these different things happen. And we have to fight for our faith. So we don't mind that, you know. Um, the other thing I, I think I really learned was, I, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is, um, the Syrophoenician woman, I think, that Jesus, you know, talked to her about, you know, like I only came here for the Jews, and and her comment was so amazing that, uh, you know, it's, it's it's been something I've kept over the years that even the dogs eat the crumbs off the table. Never get offended. Don't get offended by little things. And I think we give up so many opportunities that could be had you know, because we're offended, we're hurt by a little comment here or there, and we lose sight of of, of a great big. You know, picture for her was the saving of her daughter. She said, I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you say. I came here to get my daughter saved and you can call me whatever you want. You know, so I think that's what we learn is that we, we go through things. You know, we love the West. And I, I think, you know, um, that's why Paul went into Corinth. He was scared. And yet, uh, some of the most beautiful passages in, in Bible are in. In, Corinth, in the book of Corinthians, right? The love passage in 1 Corinthians 13. He loved, he learned that through hard times. Not an easy ministry that, you know, that, that you can just sail through, you know. We learn things together. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's, it's always been um, a challenge for me to not uh, depend on flesh, but to totally depend on God. And I think that um, even during this time, just God, God being my rock, and um, you know the story of Abraham and Sarah has always been personal to us, leaving leaving everything behind, and God being um, our only security, and making decisions based on God alone. And I've seen a time and time again that God has our back, and He's been so faithful to us. How have you seen God direct your steps through your life in the ministry? I think you build upon your lessons learned and then you keep going. You know, and I think that's how God works is that he wants you to learn this lesson. You know, like all the places we went to, like, you know, Manila was a place where we really learned how to be humble because when we first got there, we thought we were the solution to all their problems, right? And and we have to learn that, man, these people are amazing. So we learn so much from them, you know, in, in the Philippines. And, you know, so I think we've learned how to respect people more over the years as we've gotten older. And not only respect, but to honor other people's faith, that they have their stories. They have their, their life that they can teach us. And, and it's, it's been really refreshing. It's been really good, you know, just to... And that has helped us in our parenting, too, is that, you know, to, to, to respect our kids and to enjoy our kids and, and that, you know, each step in life is, is different. Like, I, I think about that story um, about the parable of the lost son. You know, when I was a young disciple, I was a young kid, you know, I was in sin and all these things. And then 
uh, you know, time went on, I became like the older brother. I didn't do all those ostensible things on the outside, but um, my sin was on the inside. All the bitterness, and jealousy, and the anger, and the, you know, like, hey, how come, you know, you have that and I don't, and this and that. And now I'm, I think I'm learning to be a father, you know, just to let things go and, and let God be God and, and trust that God. And so I think step by step, we see things from different angles. Yeah, how how God has directed our steps through the ministry. I think, um, like I said before, what we've gone through in the past, um, we can still apply those lessons wherever we are. Just like David, um, he he, you know, fought the lion and the bear, and he remembered that, and he kept doing that throughout his kingship. And so, you know, we've moved around a lot, so different places, different situations. But, um, yeah, any challenges that we've overcome um, were valuable lessons that we applied. And I think also not to overly rely on what you learned, because some of the lessons you learned in the past, it doesn't apply anymore, because things are dynamic. You know, they're not, they're not static. You know, people are different. You know, too. Like when we came back from the mission, it was so easy to compare, right? To say, oh, there, you know, Americans are not like this and like that. Well, that's just, that's not fair because you know, it's like God allowed people and their lot in life, and you know, you have to respect people for the where they're at, the things that they struggle with, and not not to compare people, you know. Yeah. What have been some of the challenges to your faith in this particular year, 2020? Wow. I mean, the whole world, right? <laughs> I mean, gosh, what a year it has been. I think I think um, on a personal level, besides what everyone else in the world is feeling, you know, just feeling claustrophobic, um, I get especially claustrophobic. I just, it's just hard for me. So I, you know, uh, sitting in the office this past year, you know, changing career and stepping off the ministry and going back to work was, was difficult. I mean, I love my job. But um, just the disruption of the schedule, and I couldn't travel, and I go into the office. And then I think just doing two things, you know, the singles ministry, I always felt, I felt, and by the time I got back from work, I was just really tired, but I felt guilty. I felt like, man, I just can't serve with the amount of energy that I wanted to serve. So it's been a tough year in that sense, juggling the two. And, and at, at times I did feel like, man, I'm just not doing either one well. You know, so that's been challenging. Yeah, I do think that that was a challenge this past year. Ken, trying out the hybrid, um, you know, working as um, the senior vice president of a company and doing the ministry as well, and um, and realizing that he loved the ministry. So even this decision for us, for him, to tell his boss he doesn't work, want to work there anymore, that was by faith. And then to... Um, and then to respond to the call um, to lead the church in Sacramento, um, it was a big decision for us yeah. and mm-hmm. a decision of faith. What will you miss the most about being here in Los Angeles? I will miss the fighting spirit yeah. of the West Side. There's no place like here. Yeah. Uh, Ken and I feel we found kindred spirits with the people here and the West Side, and I'm going to miss that. Yeah. Um, you know, just that renegade spirit Wrestling. fighting yeah. to improve 
and the church. And Ken and I actually love that a lot and um, haven't found many places like that um, and that are like us in that way. And we'll miss you, Robin, Scott. <laughs> love you guys. Well, we're going to miss you for sure. Green area <laughs> connection, yeah. When you think about some of the things that you've seen that are miraculous in your spiritual life, can you think of a couple examples where you really could say that was the miraculous power of God? Well, yeah, for me, this is my conversion. I mean, just to be honest, I mean, just, I uh, got a funny story. I was, I was a pretty heavy smoker. And I studied the Bible, and I, I decided I'm just going to pray every time I feel like smoking. You know, Mark Twain says quitting smoking is the easiest thing I've ever done. I've done it a thousand times. I was like that. You know, I was driving down the street. I smoked. I said, I'm going to quit. Throw the pack out of the window and then drive back, you know, five minutes later looking for it. And, you know, it was so addictive. And then studying the Bible and just realizing that I'm going to ask God to help me. And every time I felt like smoking, I would quit. And, I quit, and then my mother would say, Ken, you're not smoking anymore. Why? I thought you were trying to get me to quit. <laughs> this is miraculous. But that's just a little thing. I've seen so many changes in our lives, you know, and just to see how God has worked in our, our marriage, too. You know, when we came back from the mission field, we were really wounded. And um, just to see how God has restored that, to see Nicole and Elizabeth and their faith has, has really encouraged us. You know, i, I got to say this, too. You know, our church is amazing. I know this past year we've gone through a lot. But there are many churches around the, the world and around the block that they, they would kill to, to have what we have. I know we got to work on, you know, understanding each other better. And, and I'm always going to be working on that. But the diversity in our churches, are, are it's, a, it's a miracle. And I think that we, we, we shouldn't take that for granted. Yeah, when I think of miraculous power, I automatically think of the Vietnam church. Um, We were there when it was 20 people and just underground church and trying to break the 20 goal. And we were able to be there uh, when we felt like the faith turned around. And to see it um, now with so many churches and for them to raise up money for their own building, um, raising more than a million U.S. dollars, very inspiring. Yeah. And to see, uh, for me, that shows me the miraculous power. As well as, I, you know, when I was converted, I um, I knew I was being swept up by the Holy Spirit into something greater than myself. And then now, 30 more years later, seeing Nicole get married to a disciple. There's just so many things that um, God blesses your life with that yeah. is um, that is miraculous. Yeah. Um, it's not different factors adding up, but it's just um, it's just God's Holy Spirit sweeping. I feel like He swept me up into an adventure that is still lasting till today. And you know the word itself, right? When we became disciples, I think it was really hard. Our, our families really had a hard time with us uh, becoming Christians. And, and just relying on that uh, passage that says you'll get a hundred times as much. And we've seen that in our lifetime. To see that that promise is true. That you will get a hundred times as much. Brothers, sisters, mothers. You know, and we live that. So it adds to our faith that God's word is true. When you think of things that have inspired you in your life uh, about the working of God, what are some of the things that stand out to you about His working power in you? 
Well, I think he never gives up on us. I think that's the thing that really strikes me is sometimes when you get older, you can get jaded. You know, you look at the world and you're like, you know, if I was God, I, I would, you know, do something. I have a different plan, right? But he keeps going. That's the thing that really inspires me about God is that long, you know, that long suffering. The first grade at the end of 13 talks about love is long suffering. I think God is long suffering. Sometimes I think about how all the people that have passed away, all the people that he knew, that only he would know that, uh, you know, that he just keeps going, you know. So that's, that, that fires me up about God is just how, how, how faithful he is. Yeah. Good morning, Westside. Uh, Lena and I are so grateful to have had uh, the years we've had together as we look forward to going to Sacramento this uh, next year here. It's bittersweet. Uh, we love the West Side, and it's been such an honor being here and uh, knowing all the brothers and sisters and all of our friends here. And we look forward to a new chapter in our lives, but great fond memories of our time here. You know, it's been an incredible year, and uh, for better or worse, uh, this has been unprecedented. I know we use that word a lot over this past year, but that's exactly what it has been uh, as we think about the pandemic that uh, has wreaked over our country, but throughout the whole world as well, and all the tragedies, all the people who have died politically. It's been a very uh, traumatic year as well. And as we're coming to the end of the year and beginning of a new transition next year, we look forward to uh, just more stability in our country. Now, we think about the racial injustice that was brought up uh, this past year, and it's brought about just an incredible acknowledgement of the wrongs that have been committed against uh, African Americans for the last 400 years, and there is a, a reckoning. So as we look forward to 2021, and we are, are doing that, uh, I want to just take a moment to really think about 2020 and uh, what God has done and what God has allowed to happen so that we can learn from it and not miss it. Uh, in 1665, around that time, uh, there was a pandemic as well in uh, Europe and uh, the country of England at that time uh, shut down and uh, Cambridge University shut down for a spell. And uh, there was a guy by the name of uh, Isaac Newton. He went home for two years because his uh, his uh, university was shut down. And, and in those two years, he, he spent the most of those two years thinking about the universality of gravity. And that's when he came up with the great uh, theory of gravity, and which changed the entire world. So we make the best out of uh, whatever circumstances that we're in. You know, this past year, we saw this incredible uh, time together. And um, I want us to really think about, as we go through the book of, of the Old Testament, the books of the Old Testament, and to see what these men and women learned from the adversities that they went through. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 10 uh, it says, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. You know, it's so easy to look back and go, you know, the old days were better. Or so to do the opposite, to go, you know, I'm so looking forward to the future. And, uh, and not realizing what God is trying to teach us today. He continues in verse 13. He says, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the days of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will not will be after him. You know, the Bible says that God has made one as well as the other. 
You know, God has allowed us to experience good things in life, prosperity in life. And yet, at the same time, he has also allowed us to experience some incredibly painful things as well. God is in control. So as we look back in this past year, God is in control. God has allowed these things to happen in our lives. There are a few people in the Bible that experience great adversities more than Job. And, uh, you know, despite all the things that he went through, we learn from him today as we look at him as really a paragon of someone who went through suffering and someone who went through that and didn't give up his faith in God. I know this past year has been hard. This past year has been traumatic for a lot of people. You know, Lena and I work with the singles ministry and perhaps the, the demographic that has gone through the most this past year uh, are the singles. Uh, you know, their career has been uh, have been cut short in some ways. You know, their their dating life has been cut short uh, and interrupted in, in many ways. And yet, I appreciate so many of our singles that persevered. And it hasn't been easy. They worked through a lot of tough feelings. It has been a tough year for so many people. And uh, I think it's so tempting to go, you know, good riddance 2000. 20 and uh, look forward to 2021 and there's nothing wrong with that but I always feel like uh, let's never waste a good crisis and I think through this crisis here this past uh, year that we can really glean a couple of things that uh, we can take with us as we head into 2021. We're going to read from the book of Job and uh, really see how God interrupted Job's life and just like a lot of us and uh, I remember at the beginning of the year the beginning of the pandemic uh, canceling out some things on my calendar. And uh, as we went along, just canceling for the rest of the year. And God does that. And he did this uh, in an unprecedented level. And he canceled all of our schedule for the whole year. And we got to ask ourselves, why? Why did he do that? And there's a couple of things I think he wants us to learn uh, as we get ready to take communion together. We're going to read from the book of Job. And in Job chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5, Job was just going through his life and uh, he was a religious guy. He uh, wanted to make sure his family was taken care of. They went to church and they did all the sacrifices. And uh, he wanted to make sure he was right with God. But uh, lo and behold, God was going to do something in his life. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each one of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. You know, Job was just going through his life and uh, trying to be a good guy. And uh, he was a religious guy and trying to take care of his family in the meanwhile also. But in the midst of Job's daily activity, global events were going on. There was an argument in heaven between God and Satan in, in terms of who Job was and his motivation for being good. And God allowed Job to be tested. Number one, he was allowed to be tested by having things taken away from him. Things that really mattered to him. His family, his kids uh, died and his properties were uh, destroyed. And yet Satan was not happy with that. So he pushed it, pushed the boundary even more and convinced God, if you will, to go after his physical health. And uh, Job, the Bible says he had painful sores 
from his feet all the way to the crown of his head. And yet the Bible says that despite all these things, Job did not sin towards God. Even though he was able to express a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, and um, a lot of just animosity, if you will, even towards the people that were trying to help him. Can we relate to this? We can, right? So nothing is new under the sun. Uh, we see Job going through all this, and yet today we look at Job's life as really a paragon of faith and of, of resilience. And I think we can learn from that today. There are two things that I feel like we can learn from, from Job. Number one, in um, Job chapter 7, verse 17 to verse 20. In the midst of this great pain and suffering, and David said the same thing in Psalms chapter 8. In the midst of this incredible pain and suffering, look what he says. He says, What is mankind that you make so much of them, that you give them so much attention, that you examine them every morning and test them every moment? Will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant? You know, the thing that Job really understood that kept him in the game, that kept him from losing his faith during this time of trial was that he knew that God was with him. He knew that God would not leave him alone, that God would stick with him. And and even though Satan was going to try to use this to destroy his faith, he understood that God was going to use this to help his faith, to deepen his faith and understand uh, reality and understand God even more. So, the second thing that I want us to get out of this was is found in um, in Job chapter 42, verse 1 to 6. As we get ready to take communion, this is what Job realized. He realized that despite all the good things that he did, all the religious things he did, you know, to, to a T, right? He, he, he went to a point of making sacrifice just to make sure that nothing was left out. He was a good guy. But Job realized something. He realized that despite all of his good things, all the things that were, quote, done, quote, unquote, right, was not enough. That it was pointing towards something else. And this is really profound. After God spoke, after, you know, all the things that Job learned, this was his conclusion. He says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. There's a there's a peace in trusting that God is in control. That despite the pandemic raging in our, our state, in our country, throughout the world, that God is still in control. You ask, who is this that obscures my plan without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. Isn't that awesome? There is a peace and there is a security um, uh, to know that we, we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know exactly what is is the answer. In verse 4, he says, You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you as well. So Job deepened his relationship with God through this time. And he said, I thought I knew you, but now I know you so much better. And don't waste a good crisis. Maybe this is the time that God is trying to deepen our faith, our trust, not even in the church. We can't even meet together, not even in each other because we have to stay apart from one another. But in God, 
in his love for us, in his presence, and in his word. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, we're never good enough to earn our spot in heaven. The only way that we can be righteous is through the blood and the body of Jesus that was broken and that was shed for us. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.